Welcome to the Future of Application Security, a podcast for ambitious leaders who want to build a modern and effective AppSec program. Doing application security right is really hard. Now I'm going to help you build a better future of AppSec at your company by curating the lessons from the leaders. I'm your host, Harshal Parikh, CEO of Tromso. And without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of the Future of Application Security. Today, I have a fantastic guest with me, Jason Espone. Jason is the Global Head of Application Security and Engineering at CH Robinson. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, Herschel. Thank you for having me here. Greatly appreciate it. Jason, would you mind and just giving a little bit more introduction about yourself? Where do you work? What do you do? Tell me a little bit about what CH Robinson does. Absolutely, Herschel. I'm Jason Espont, um, Global Head of Application Security Engineering at CH Robinson, the global leader who solves the real supply chain problem in the logistic industry across the globe, across many different industries. It is 117 years old company. I started as a Java developer back then and moved on to the software configuration management at Motorola Labs. Recently, last seven years or so, I built and scaled the DevSecOps platform and practices for Keysight Technologies and found passion and love towards the application security and product sec. And hence, I joined CH Robinson a little over 10 months ago and taking on this wonderful journey of securing the products and applications of 117 years old company, which is great. Amazing. And last but not least, I'm also pursuing my doctoral program in cybersecurity management in the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. That's phenomenal. Doctorate is, you got to have a lot of dedication towards <laughs> doing this and a lot of patience and motivation. So I, uh, uh, I commend you for it. That's awesome. So you mentioned, okay, so you mentioned C.H. Robinson is a 117-year-old company that does supply chain and transportation and logistics. Absolutely. So what, what does that actually mean? Is the company like moving goods around the world? Is that what it is? That is correct. But we have an interesting model. So we are a non-asset-based transportation platform. So we provide the technology for our customers and carriers to ship their products and goods from wherever they want to be. All right, got it. So you're not running ships and containers, not Docker containers, real containers, <laughs> real uh, containers. physical containers. So you're not running those, but the software that operates all of that is built by CH Robinson. Absolutely. That's amazing. I can imagine that being a little bit critical to the world order, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's true. Fantastic. So tell me a little bit more about how does application security play a role into this? Typically, the relevance of AppSec in a company like CH Robinson, where you're providing software for other transportation businesses, where does security stand in the middle? Are you a cloud platform? Are you shipping on-prem software? Tell me a little bit more detail. So we provide the transportation management platforms. So that used by the carriers or shippers who ship the product from point A to point B, right? So having said that, 
the applications of your technology-based company, the product security, the application security is at the heart of what we deliver and what we do. Say, for example, if a shipper is shipping a product from Shanghai to the United States, so that goes on to the various different segments of the platform, right? So what do the goods look like, right? What are the various different stopping points? So we navigate and track and provide the end-to-end platform to our customers right from the loading to the daily. Hmm. Fascinating. Okay, cool. So when you joined CH Robinson, before CH Robinson, were you also focusing on application security or were you doing something different? I was actually doing the DevSecOps platform. I mean, these days, different players, different companies have the different terminologies. Yep. Right. So how do you read the things? So I was running the global team of the DevSecOps platform and tools and practices. Got it. Got it. What got you interested in taking up uh, this role at CS Robinson? What looked exciting? So first of all, I wanted to kind of pure play focus on the application security because there are so many great problems to solve. And secondly, the timing was, I think, almost perfect because I was got admitted into the cybersecurity doctoral program. So this kind of came hand in hand. So I wanted to really apply some of the research methodologies, some of the theoretical way of doing things by the academic professionals, how they're solving the problem to the real world. So that's what got me really excited. And as you see the digital influence makes more and more, the product security, the application security is really at the heart of any given company, any given platform. So this is a very valuable team and valuable domain to be part of and to bring the business impact and to reduce the business risk of any given company. Yeah. And I can imagine the challenges of AppSec being a little bit different at a company that has been around for 117 years as compared to a newer company that is operating on a new stack on the cloud and so on and so forth. Do you see any uh, unique challenges at CH Robinson within the scope of AppSec? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So one of the challenges that we see is more of solving the tech debts, right? So when, when you are in that many years in the industry, so you obviously bring your historical debts and which at times is hard to solve the problem. But I think in Sigurd Robinson, the technology evolved over the course of the last 20 years or so. And our strategy is to really focus on your system of record application, basically. You know, so that is your bread and butter and making sure that is solid and safe and secure. And then see how can you really modularize, right? You know, so instead of having the monolithic way of doing things and to kind of decompose and distill that down to the microservices way of doing things so that it is easy for us to, number one, secure and easy for us to really maintain and deploy as it needs. So that's one of the way that Sage Robinson is kind of slowly addressing some of the technical debts. 
Yeah. So in terms of that approach, I I think it it has to be highly reliant on the rest of the organization taking up that modernization strategy and investing resources in it. But I can also imagine that not every single application that you might have has gone through or is going through the transformation, right? There will be debt. In my previous roles, we've had legacy systems that we were told will be decommissioned in three months. But then three years from then, it was still three months from that date, right? So a lot of those challenges continue to exist. I'm kind of curious how you leverage, you know, your risk-based decision-making or business value in figuring out what debt needs to be solved and what can live on as a business risk. Exactly. Great question, Harshal. This is one of the very strategic way of how you really articulate your business problem in a business language, right? For example, if your application has secrets embedded into it, and that was built way back, right? How do you really, really articulate to the business leaders to understand it? So, but everybody knows, okay, what is the key risk of storing the secrets? But it is important for us to really portray that, hey, okay, this is something like you're storing your house key under the doormat, right? So anyone can just kind of randomly come and flip your doormat and, all right, that is a jackpot, right? That is a key, okay? So let's kind of go and get into the system, right? So these are some of, it's not a rocket science, but how do you really term it out in a business language and hence making the leaders to understand, okay, what are the right priority to solve and have the good buy-in from the development team and make a progress out of it? Right, right. So. In terms of just knowing that context of that application, whether is this even a critical application to the business? Like, let's say you have secrets in multiple different code repos or applications. The criticality would be, or the decision-making would also depend on, is this an internal, you know, lunch menu app? Or is this a customer-facing app that actually is used by customers, processes confidential data, and is important to the business, right? In a large organization like yours, how do you even understand that landscape of what are all the applications? What is the business risk, business criticality of those systems? How do you do that? It is, in fact, challenging, but there is no single way of solving that. But by really kind of building a portfolio catalog of your application, basically, to really define what are your high-risk applications, which are customer-facing or external-facing, and what are the applications are internal-facing, but which still poses the high-risk because some of your endpoints may connect to the external-facing applications, right? So you need to really kind of define some of the catalogs. But one of the solutions that we are exploring is open source, basically called Backstage, this was actually developed by Spotify, and uh, we are trying to kind of get that as a single source of truth to cataloging some of the developer-centric or the product-centric details. Amazing. Yeah, I've seen a lot of other engineering teams use Backstage. It's a phenomenal service catalog, and it's very, very useful for security also because the next time you have something like Log4j, you know exactly who to go after, right? You know exactly which team owns those services and who's the point of contact. How do you reach out to them? 
you can build a lot of the uh, monitoring dashboarding systems on top of uh, Backstage to really drive that operational excellence that you were talking about earlier. Exactly. Yeah. At Tromso, we love Backstage because the amount of data, the type of data that we get from Backstage, it really helps with our mission, which is accelerating remediation of risk. And it's a really, really nice complementary solution. But I'm also very, very excited about the fact that even though C.H. Robinson is a 117-year-old company, your organization is modern enough in adopting the modern tools and systems and service catalogs and things like that to drive technical excellence as well. Right? So, so that's phenomenal. Have you thought of use cases for your team, application security team, and how will you use Backstage? So we are, we are planning to use in a slight, I mean, a couple of different use cases. So number one, again, the cataloging for high risk, medium risk, and low risk applications. And second of all, and what are the other security metrics that we can really provide out of that backstage? Again, this is uh, still in the preliminary stage. Uh, we're still exploring what are the possibilities that we can really apply backstage for that. But not only backstage, one of the solutions that we are brainstorming from the application security team standpoint, the common challenge, I mean, not only in CSR, and I've seen my previous areas as well, is how do you really rightly prioritize your issues, mm -hmm. right? And articulating the risk to the business. I think that is where the solutions like application security, passion management tools, so that would really kind of bring the single plane of glass view from the various different scanners or tools that we have and really synthesize and define what is the right problem for the developers to solve. Yeah. Right. As opposed to right bombarding the tickets to them. Hey, okay, you had you gotta solve 50 vulnerabilities and all are critical. Nobody's gonna care. <laughs> right, right. So you, you gotta give top five out of 50, which would really solve your business problem. Yeah, 100% agree. And I think with adoption of modern dev practices, the world has moved on to beyond vulnerabilities as well, right? Vulnerabilities is table stakes. It's important for every team. Everyone does it. But the fact that now you can have containerized microservices, uh, you can have dependencies that can be you know, approved for you know, bug-free or at least risk-managed effectively. You can have secure frameworks, like even within programming languages, there are frameworks that you use to, to add a little bit more security. So this whole concept of, you know, finding vulnerabilities and then fixing them, which is obviously necessary, you have to do it, but it's also very reactive in a way. There are more opportunities and innovation areas where we can be more proactive in terms of defining the guardrails, security guardrails or security policies that as long as dev teams adopt those policies and standards, we know they will be relatively safer and get away from that reactive methodology of finding bugs and then going on and fixing bugs as technical debt. So with this modern Git-based lifecycle, modern DevOps processes, security teams have a phenomenal opportunity to influence developers to make the right decisions from the get-go, so adopt secure you know, Docker images that are approved by security, maintained by somebody, adopt secrets management system, so you, you eliminate this challenge of secrets in code, adopt a lot of the safe pipelines and safe practices, PR reviews, enforcing controls on container configurations. A lot of those things 
So I 100% agree that there is a need for something that centralizes the risk in a single way to make it easy for developers to focus on what matters. And that goes beyond vulnerabilities. Also something that should influence developers to make the right choices at the right time as they are building code and deploying code. Absolutely, without a doubt. Well stated. So we both agree on that topic, so that's great. Uh, I, let's find something a little bit more interesting. So now you mentioned that business risk, business value plays a key role in your decision making. Tell me a little bit about when you report your metrics or when you define your goals for application security at this Fortune 100 company. Is that any different than what you've done before? Like, do you have to do something differently here? Slightly different because every industry is different. So my previous company is a technology company. So purely work on the product specific 5G, quantum computing and all that stuff, which is fascinating. But here's a slightly different. This supply chain, transportation industry, the product that we build is different. The stakeholders are different. So but the underlying metrics, the underlying risk, I see that in twofold, right? Number one, Assume that someday you'll be compromised. If yes, how soon would you know? That's the executives and the boards are interesting, you know, so really interested to know, right? What is our business risk resilience level, right? And how do we really bake that matrix is based on your product security posture of each product line, hmm. right? So that basically bubbles up and rolls up to your corporate level. Okay, right. I have 10 product lines and each has, say, my risk score of, say, 95% protected. Let's assume. So would then averagely roll up to, okay, your our product organization, your product security posture is about overall 95%. If something goes wrong, so we have 5% gap, we know that, and this is going to take this much time to get back onto the business. So I think that's how I kind of view it from the leadership standpoint. Okay, so what boards and and chiefs are really interested in. Interesting. So this is the first time I'm hearing that the way to communicate application security is through business resiliency, which is now kind of thinking about it, it's kind of obvious considering the business that you guys are in. So do you mind sharing a little bit more detail on how do you come to that type of a metric business resiliency? Because it's it's a little bit unique to AppSec teams to get to that number of business resiliency, right? Because we typically right. live in, in bugs and things all day long. So how do you right. get to the metric of uh, resiliency? Yeah, we are building that actually. So that is my vision. We are kind of laying that off. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to kind of really lay a foundation of your a central view of your product security. So, which is, you know, we are not there yet. But currently, what we are trying to do is to kind of really measure your your endpoints, your your APIs that is connected to one particular product lines, right? And then how the products are really valued, basically, is it external facing or internal facing? And what is the security level of the each product? So that's how we kind of really measure that a little manually today. But my long-term vision is to kind of build, bring the solution into play so that, you know, obviously your backstage and or ASOC or application security 
passion management will kind of really talk together and build a cohesive reporting for upper management to kind of really understand what is the product resiliency and business resiliency. That's that amazing. That's amazing. So especially if you centralize your AppSec data, make policy and risk-based decisions, and then you generate that into a measurable KPI for individual applications or business units that rolls up into centralized reporting with Backstage or what have you or into a business risk indicator. Exactly. And one other thing to add, actually, we're also kind of kicking in the human element of this whole product security or the application security. That is nothing but the security guilds or security champions. But that is not new. But the twist we are doing here is really kind of have the more closer and tighter engagement with the security champions and product management or product managers to kind of really empower them and unleash the potential to them and provide the capabilities that they want. So the feedback loop they receive, not so reactive. So that is one of the things you talked about earlier. It is more proactive way of seeing things and doing things. And we are also making the security champions accountable for their own products and their own business line. Otherwise, it is very hard for the application team to really scale across thousands yeah. of employees, right? So that is one of the elements that we are kind of factoring as part of really scaling the application security, if you will. Yeah, that's amazing. And I was talking to somebody else earlier about this model in terms of how do you drive responsibility and ownership of security to the security champions themselves. A lot of the teams just use training as a way to like, hey, we're going to train the security champions and they'll do security stuff, but they actually don't, you know, it doesn't really end up working that way. So if you want to drive data-driven program for security champions, how do you hold them accountable, right? So you got to generate a metric. You got to measure the performance of that particular team. And maybe the security champion is not personally responsible for it, but you want to say that they, they should be influencing that and you should measure that team's performance on it. And what I've seen a lot of people do really well is measure mean time to remediate for those particular teams, right? So then if you're able to generate MTTR for different severity levels of issues for every single team, then at the end of the, the quarter or at the end of the month, when you do reviews for all of your security champions, you can basically just build a leaderboard saying, hey, these are all the security champions. Here's the mean time to remediate for critical high, medium, low. And also maybe use SLA compliance, right? What percentage of bugs were resolved within SLA versus what percentage of bugs were resolved outside of SLA? And how many days beyond SLA does it actually take to fix those things? And my takeaway from that is that reporting on the volume of bugs, like number of bugs, it's kind of pointless in a way because it doesn't really matter. As long as you're fixing things at an equal or faster rate of creation of bugs, you should be good, right? So that's what you need to measure. Like, are you fixing things enough in time? That's all you should care about in a way. Absolutely, absolutely. And then one of the other factors that you're doing is the threat modeling, right? So threat modeling really a kind of foundational element of the secure software development lifecycle. So we are also kind of making the security champions accountable that every feature that you develop and every enhancement that you do and making sure you drive the threat modeling and 100% of the threat model countermeasures are addressed before even you release your product. 
So that I thought that's an interesting element that you're doing. But ultimately, Herschel, although we have secure champions, the product managers and whatnot, the leaders of each product line, the business line, are really accountable and responsible to kind of really move the needle on that particular area. Yeah. Right. So that way you can measure how your team performing and the team rolls up to the organization level. If the organization is doing great, end of the day, your product does not sell. Yeah. So this is a great point. I'll share a, a quick story on this. In one of my previous companies, we had a lot of challenges in getting the engineering leaders to actually pay attention and fix the security bugs or adopt security tooling. So after a quarter of trying to push a boulder up the hill, what we decided is that we will just add an agenda item to the biweekly engineering leadership team meeting, right? And this was not a security meeting. This was just an engineering leadership meeting that you know discusses many things beyond security. So we added one agenda item, which is to discuss security metrics, which is the uh, SLA compliance, right? Just that one agenda item, five minutes on the calendar within that broader meeting. And all of a sudden, we saw people start fixing things proactively. Like we didn't even have to tell them. And it was very surprising at first, like what happened that drives all of this action? Why are all these teams fixing their bugs and clearing their security backlog? Eventually, we realized that just exposing that metric of which team is beyond their SLAs on how many bugs in front of the the CTO and the other leadership and the other peers, that was a motivator enough for people to see that, okay, we need to get better at this. We need to start fixing things. And it was just this moment of epiphany for us where we realized that we should have been doing this all along, right? Like just show the metric. And it's not like it's, uh, you're not forcing people or pushing people to do anything, but you're just making that data available and let the data talk. Exactly. That's a perfect story. Yeah, that's exactly what we got to (laughs) do. So so to kind of really bring that visibility, so bring that data availability to the leadership so they understand where they stand and then drive the change for the product. I love it. I'm excited that a lot of people are thinking about data-driven application security. For far too long, we've been focused on, you know, this latest exploit and latest CVE and, you know, more complex bugs, which is obviously important. We should continue doing that. But to strategically get success for AppSec teams, we have to make it more data-driven. And I love the direction that you guys are going in as well. But if you really think about the broader industry, you worked at many companies, you are very well connected in the AppSec world as well. What do you think is the the current state of application security today, uh, in your opinion? Great question. So before I kind of explain to that, I want to tell a little bit of a data-driven story here. In 2023, we had the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, in January. This time, the World Economic Forum happened in a very unprecedented way, right? So usually the politicians and government officials be part of that. But if you think about it, like this year, all the participants are business leaders and cyber leaders. So guess what? So during that meeting, there was a survey conducted. So 91% of the leaders or participants on the World Economic Forum, they predicted that a far-reaching catastrophic cyber event 
is at least at somewhere two years in reach. So which means there is something brewing. <laughs> we don't know what is that. But when you get this data from the World Economic Forum, so it's real, right? So ha- that being said, the application security or the product security, the cyber in general, is becoming more critical than ever before. So that being said, the increasing resilience on or increasing reliance on the digital technologies, geopolitical instability across the globe, and growing number of the cyber threats. You know, so that being said, like applications and systems becoming a very prime target. So I wouldn't really underestimate the application security. So this is super critical right now, given where we are really trending in the world today. That's amazing. Yeah, I 100% agree. And thanks for sharing that very strategic thinking as well. I think the other big trend is everything has already become or is becoming software, right? And with the broader adoption of cloud, people are moving more towards more agile way of deploying things and more adopting more cloud native architectures. And so monoliths being translated into microservices based architectures. And that phenomenon is just going around every single company, including hundreds of years old legacy companies as well. So application security, I get more and more excited every day about the space of application and cloud security because it's just going to be more pervasive everywhere. And that gives us new opportunities to do new interesting things. And as this evolves, there's also a lot of new technology innovation. I mean, the security world has been crazy over the past several months or several weeks with with chat GPT and all of those things, new innovations happening, right? Where do you see the world is going for AppSec in the next few years? What does the future look like for you? Perfect segue, perfect segue. Because as you rightly stated, we are living in the advent of AI and ML, right? That being said, I, I envision the application security tending towards more automation and machine learning way of doing things, which would really influence application security. So we may see the organizations using automated tool to even scan vulnerabilities or even identify potential threats and respond to those threats almost near real time. So that is where I see the industry is going. So that is number one. And then number two, I envision that there is a significant focus on the identity and access management because the the IAM is going to become the future of security because now if you go to the airport, right, everything is biometrics and, and your body is completely scanned, right? So how you really provide the authentication and authorization to the specific applications and specific datas and making sure your personally identified informations are not really disclosed. So I see there are a lot of focus on the IAM area. And the third one, I see that there are significant growing importance of the threat intelligence. In probably next three to five years, we may see more organization leveraging the threat intelligence to proactively identify and mitigate the potential risk. So these are the three three factors that I think we are trending towards in the next couple of years. That's amazing. I completely agree. And I uh, these are the things that make me excited about our space every single day. Jason, thank you so much for being here on this podcast, sharing your thoughts with us. This was a fantastic conversation. 
Unfortunately, this is all the time we have for the recording. And I wish your team good luck in taking the AppSec program towards the next levels of maturity. This has been a phenomenal conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Herschel. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Future of Application Security. If you've enjoyed this episode or you are new to the show, I'd love to have you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss any episode. And if you like the podcast, I'd be grateful if you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening.